Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I am your host, Gavin Gallagher. On this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game playing out unconsciously in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the market. The key to success in this real estate game is mindset and learning to control your ego and emotions. So guys, episode five, finally getting into my stride, finally uh, finding my voice, so to speak. And on this week's episode, I am continuing with the theme of COVID-19, as it's really the only show in town at the moment. On today's podcast, I'm going to be covering the measures and mindset needed to reopen your business during COVID-19. And by that, I mean your resourcefulness and uh, your response to this crisis. But before I do, I had a question from a listener who wanted me to go back into a little bit more detail on the opportunities that could present themselves in terms of real estate investment, particularly around the topic of warehousing. Now, this is something I covered last week. And if you recall, I went into some of the mindset stuff at the outset, but then I was talking about some of the subsectors that I believe will outperform others when... Um, as part of this whole crisis and warehousing and logistics was definitely one. So my point essentially was that the world has changed and part of the retail sector, parts of the retail sector have collapsed. And this was already happening due to the Internet and in particular the, you know, the likes of Amazon. But what COVID-19 has done is it's poured gasoline on the fire and it is an accelerant like no other. And we have moved forward about three to five years in the last two months alone. And like the the progress you would have seen over, say, five years has actually happened very, very quickly. And progress both in a negative and in a positive way. We've all moved to Zoom. Uh, none of us were using Zoom. Well, very few of us were using Zoom back in um, January and suddenly seems like the whole world is using it. So it's a different world and we've got to adapt in that regard. Every retailer in the world now understands that they need a digital strategy to survive. And that means embracing logistics, storage and distribution. And in simple terms, in my view, that means that warehouses are going to be heavily needed in the coming months and years. And there's another aspect to the COVID-19 thing that I see increasing demand for lo on logistics and warehousing. And that is that the national supply chain, you see, up until recently, we have had complete and utter dependence and reliance and confidence in the global supply chain. We, we assume that f our factories have been set up in such a way that it's just in time delivery, just in time manufacturing, I think they call it. And it basically means that the factory doesn't carry any stock, that the stock is delivered as they're needing it. So the shelves are empty in the morning and the truck arrives with the stuff that they need and they put their hands up and they can start their work. That's how it has worked to date. Global supply chain has been massively impacted by COVID-19. We saw it happen when Wuhan shut down. That's a major manufacturing area. And so a lot of stuff that we were all expecting to get started to get delayed and there are ships all over the world that are stalled off the coast of China and various places because they just can't get loaded up because of COVID-19 or they can't because factories are shut. Huge delivery problems and that knock-on impact on all of the manufacturing sectors it's pushed everything back behind and all of this is costing millions to the economy 
And so I think as a result, as a response to this, you're going to see a huge number of businesses that decide that they are doing away with at least part of their global supply chain and they're going to look for local suppliers to backfill some of that kind of um, risk. And I think that's going to mean that you're going to have a huge amount of warehousing required. Uh, You're going to have local suppliers having to carry much greater numbers of stock. And it's as simple as that. That's how I kind of see where this is. Suddenly, uh, entire regions were shut down overnight. And, you know, that is something that is fresh in our memory now. And so I think governments in particular, where you're going to see huge increase in logistics and um, warehousing is the national stockpile. And I only have to look to my own country here, Ireland. We ran out of PPE for our medical workers. We had to send multiple uh, passenger jets to China. Uh, you know, the, our, our national airline, Aer Lingus, was loaded up with millions and millions of uh, dollars worth of PPE. And it was shipped, it was flown back here. And I think they took them 24 flights to carry all of the PPE that we needed fully loaded up aircraft now that has cost us an absolute fortune as a country normally we spend something like 30 million a year on ppe this year alone we have spent 208 million or something like that now we're a tiny country so you can imagine what the numbers are like in the uk germany france america i can my mind boggles at the thoughts over there so what we're looking at now is national stockpiles being sourced locally and you're going to have a, a lot of countries that just have huge warehouses full of all this kind of emergency equipment they will not take the risk of running out like that and having to bid against other countries and having i've heard all sorts of i've read all sorts of articles and papers where you've got uh, the likes of andrew cuomo in new york trying to outbid other countries and other states and places like Spain having a delivery hijacked by somebody else and uh, and I mean it's it's a real mess and I think a lot of countries are just going to say no we're not taking that risk again we are going to ensure that we have all of our stocks here in the country ready for use when we need it and that's going to mean huge numbers of warehousing and logistics so that's really where I was getting at guys I'm not sure you know I'm no scientist but I do think that that seems to me like a pretty realistic Uh, proposition. All right, so getting into this week's episode, which incidentally is coming to you from a wet and windy East Point. I hope you don't hear the noise outside the window. The, 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 the trees are blowing like crazy, so it's, it's pretty noisy out there. And um, I've been in work since Monday. We reopened the park here on Monday, and it's now Friday. So my first five days back in the office, it has been a hectic week. We have very few people here, but the amount of information that I'm being requested, a lot of people are looking for our uh, COVID-19 response plan and they're looking for building management plans and they're looking for operational protocols. There's just a ton of stuff and it's all linked to liability and insurance and all of these kind of things. So seven weeks of lockdown back to a bit of a firestorm and I have about an inch thick of a pile of paper with all of the different measures and protocols and stuff to get through. So I I just decided that this was not work for me and I hired in a couple of specialists to help me put together that work. 
The main reason we opened, by the way, was that the government has issued guidance that contractors and building sites could reopen. And we have 37 buildings here in the park in East Point and at least five of them that I'm aware of have got uh, fit out projects going on inside. And therefore, we have five different contractor teams on the site uh, working. And so we couldn't have them back in the park running around without having our own guys in the on you know on hand to help and uh, keep keep all of that under control so finally back to work and um, I, I have to say i'm kind of glad to get back to work it's it's, it's kind of nice to be in the office but with that comes obviously a lot of responsibility around safety and health and things like that anyway getting on to it ask yourself who not how and i love that line and i think it came from either dan sullivan or peter diamandis but basically if you if you want to supercharge your output in business, you need to get into the habit of asking who can do this uh, for you instead of how can I do this work? And probably the best way to put it is who is the most appropriate person to give the job to? Don't always assume this job is for you. You can outsource the work and there are people out there who are specialists in this area. They do this day in, day out, and they know exactly what they're doing and they'll They'll knock something out very quickly, whereas you could spend three days trying to learn all this stuff. So just there's no point. You just bring in the specialist when you need it. And um, anyway, that's my rant over. So this week, I want to talk about resourcefulness and the response to reopening your office or business inside this new COVID-19 reality we're all living through. Again, the world has changed and it's completely unrecognizable today compared to just six months ago. The amount of changes and protocols that are now in place that just nobody had ever, ever given any consideration to before. So it's a different world. Uh, now, a lot of people have been devastated by this. They've lost jobs, they've lost businesses, and some people tragically have lost their lives. But what about those of us who are still standing, who are fortunate enough to be able to pick up the pieces and get started again? A huge amount of how you get out of this mess is going to be down to how resourceful you are and how flexible or willing to adapt you are. You need to be creative and you need to think outside the box. I'm seeing it every day. I'm getting emails from architects offering COVID-19 office redesign services. I'm getting waste collection people offering me new COVID-19 sanitation stations. I'm getting the same from furniture suppliers, from printers. Pubs are reopening as restaurants and in some cases garden centres. I don't know if you saw that on Instagram, but there was a photo going around of a pub and it, it had garden centre written at the front just so that I could reopen. So how can we as landlords and property investors get into resourcefulness and make ourselves as adaptable as possible? I know from speaking to people in my network that, for example, Airbnb has effectively been shut down by COVID-19. And uh, with the lockdown and all that, just people have not been able to rent their short-term properties. So they're without an income. Prior to that, they were doing great travel and everything like that. The industry, the tourism industry, hospitality, it was all booming for them. Suddenly, overnight, they have lost that income. And so suddenly, a huge number of sort of small apartments have been dumped on the market to try and get rents and what's effectively happened is that the monthly rental rate has actually fallen because of that. And this is a knock-on that probably no one saw coming because there's been a, a big housing shortage in this country anyway for the last while. And I think it's pretty much across the board. 
Airbnb and uh, the success of Airbnb has been great for the shareholders, but it's not been great for residents in a lot of cities where they're trying to find a short, you know, long-term accommodation and all they can find is short-term accommodation for Airbnb. So anyway, that's playing out in the newspapers and politically at the moment. But it's just a small example of people having to adapt. What you thought was a fantastic business, you had your apartment, you were getting lots of money every month from it, suddenly it's no longer viable and you now have to turn into a long-term let. And maybe economically it doesn't make sense at this rate that you're collecting per month. So this is all interesting and it's it's going to be a while before we're back to the volume of people traveling around Europe and uh, around the world, frankly. And so this is something that as a as a just a, a small segment of the industry, if you're in the Airbnb business, you are in trouble. Uh, what else? So one of the areas I think that you really need to consider for resourcefulness is innovation. And it definitely has, technology definitely has a role to play. For those of you who follow my content for a while, you'll know that I'm, I'm an absolute nut for technology. And uh, not just for the sake of it now, mind you, it, I think it is the key to the future for most businesses. And I, and I look at history to kind of make that decision. And if you look at the world in the 1890s, if you start in 1890, there was millions and millions of horses living in the cities. Your taxi business was essentially a horse and cart. And it got so busy, in fact, that in 1894, there was a thing called the Great Horse Manure Crisis. And if you go and Google that, you'll find it quite amazing that there were so many horses living in the cities that you had piles of horse manure being stacked up on the streets just because there was nowhere else to put them. And it got to the point where cities saw the horse manure problem as one of the biggest problems for expansion because the bigger the city got, the more that they needed horses to get around and the more horses that got around, the more this problem created a mess. It was obviously a public health issue and various things like that. So millions of people getting around on horseback in, in 1894. Fast forward 20 years and everyone's going around in mechanical vehicles. Horse business is gone. So it's quite a, a fascinating thing if you look at it that along comes the motor car and suddenly the horse business is finished. And it's called progress essentially, but if you're on the wrong side of this business, uh, then you're, you know, you're in a very difficult place. And a couple of years ago, I saw this myself. Uh, I was running a car park business and um, the family have been operating a car park business since 1994. And so after 20 years in the business, it was, by the way, a fantastic business. It was a city centre car park. We built the building. We managed it directly. and It was a small enough place, but it fitted at like 170 something cars. And over the years, I watched it slowly decline as fewer people were driving in. There was a big push publicly for people to take public transport and cycling became much more popular. And I was watching this, but I was also watching the technology, uh, the magazines and the articles being published about autonomous vehicles. And I saw that Google were working on this and Apple were working on it and Tesla were working on it and Uber are working on it. And I just sort of saw the future and I thought in a couple of years time, who knows when? And, you know, some people predicted way too soon. Some people think it's gonna, never going to happen. But I assumed that this business that we were running would eventually be completely valueless because you're going to have 
cars that just drop you outside your destination. You don't drive in any longer. You don't park your car in, in a car park. That will be considered old hat. And so I wanted out of this business. And, and so in 2017, we began the process of selling the business and it, the deal closed in 2018. And we were absolutely delighted uh, to get out. I can tell you the final year was actually our worst year of trade in its 20 year history. And so we were extremely lucky to exit at the price that we did. And I just read an article in the paper recently about our old business. And I can see that the new owners have applied for planning permission to actually knock down the building and convert it into an office development. And so there you go. There's a business that was fantastic for 20 years and suddenly it's gone. It's no longer viable. And you may think that you're sitting on a, on a fairly handy number, that you're safe, but every single business is capable of being innovated out of existence. And so you got to get resourceful. You got to look at the future. You got to keep yourself constantly innovating. And by the way, there is a great book recommendation I can suggest for you guys, and that is the inevitable by kevin kelly and it's all about the future kevin kelly is the i think he was the founder of wired magazine and he's famous for an article he wrote called a thousand true fans but one of the things that he did is uh, back about 20 years ago he wrote a book i don't remember the name or he wrote a paper but he predicted everything that is now around us he predicted smartphones the internet all of the stuff that we take for granted every day now in this modern technology world that we live in, he predicted it all 20 to 30 years ago. So fascinating guy. And what he's done is, is he's basically done it again in this book, The Inevitable. He is predicting the next 30 years, what we'll expect to see. And 30 years might seem like a long time, but believe me, it passes a lot quicker than you think. And so innovation and resourcefulness, guys, that is what you need to be looking at. And as Wayne Gretzky the famous ice hockey player said, you don't skate to where the puck is, you skate to where the puck is going to be. So look to the future and have a think about that. By the way, if you want to keep up to date on all the real estate innovation or property technology, then please feel free to tune into my YouTube channel, PropTech TV, or my website, uh, GavinJGallagher.com, where I put up articles on this kind of stuff. <laughs> All right, in closing out today's episode, I'd like to pose a couple of mental exercises for you to run through your head over the weekend. A lot of people are sitting at home at the moment, working from home, and they are basically waiting for this COVID-19 crisis to blow over so they can get back to normal life, get back to doing business as they had and, and so on. They just want things to return to the way they were. And I, I can totally feel that. My, I have my daughter running around at home instead of going to school and, you know, it puts pressure on the family. Maybe things will return to normal, but maybe they won't. And if you're an optimist like me, you could be sitting there thinking, yeah, it's all going to bounce back. And uh, I certainly would like that to take place because I've got uh, you know, a little baby on the way. And um, in August, we're expecting another child. And you know, we'd like to see everything back to the way it was before. But I'm also a realist and, a, and I've developed resilience over the years. And I actually think that, uh, by the way, realism and resilience are two of the six ores that I talk about in some of my mindset coaching. But what I would like to just get at is there's an exercise here for you to run through your mind where you basically assume that this COVID-19 crisis is not going to go away, that we are going to be dealing with it, say, for the next three years. Now, unrealistic and all, as you might think that is, 
just entertain the thought for a moment as an exercise, okay? Three years. Now, I'd like you to write, get out a piece of paper and I'd like you to write down your thoughts on the dangers or the threats uh, to your business or to your situation, your financial or whatever, if this COVID-19 crisis is to continue for three more years. What does it mean for you and your family and your business and your team and all that kind of stuff? Just take a couple of minutes to write that down. Next, I'm going to ask you to have a think about the opportunities that this COVID-19 thing is going to produce for your business and your personal situation if it continues. Now, at first, the first impression might be there are no opportunities, um, but come on, let's just be honest. That is lazy thinking. You do need to get resourceful here. And in the same way I talked about waste collection people sending me things about buying sanitation stations, like they weren't selling anything like this six months ago. Suddenly they're, they're in the business of selling sanitation stations. So you've got to get creative and you've got to start thinking outside of the box. What about technology? How can you introduce technology in your business? What about innovation? How can you innovate your business in some way so that this all becomes possible? And if you cannot think of anything, then maybe you're in the wrong business, similar to how I was in the car parking business. If you think the continuation of this for three more years means the end of your business, well, then maybe you need to face up to that reality uh, as we did with the car parking business. But I think if you just think outside the box, you might find that there are actual ways to adapt. And there's actually somebody that I'm going to be interviewing in a future episode, a friend of mine called Sebastian Bates. And Sebastian has a martial arts academy in Dubai and the UK. And he has had all of his schools shut down by this COVID-19 crisis. And he has completely pivoted and adapted his business and he's moved into an online model. And he's done that in the space of two or three weeks. And he's he's gone from having zero income at the start of the crisis when all of his schools were closed down to, I can't remember exactly, but I think he's pulling in something like 10 or 15,000 a month now from online resources. So it's very, very interesting to watch people who are resourceful coming together and actually, you know, just finding a way out of it. And that's something that I just would like you guys to, to reflect on for a moment. So take some time on this one. And remember, three more years of COVID-19, what does that mean in terms of opportunities for you and your business? Next, I want to ask you guys to think about your strengths. Where are you naturally talented? Where are the areas of your business that you really, really enjoy being in? Uh, there's, there's obviously parts that are boring and annoying and you probably delegate those tasks to other people but there are areas where you just excel and you enjoy every moment in it and it's actually often called the flow state when you're in a state that time just flies past because you're having you're just so engrossed in your work and you're enjoying it so much that's the state that I'm talking about. How often do you experience that in your normal job and what is that specific task that you are doing? when that happens. Now, that would be one of your strengths, I would suggest. And so have a think about what, if you were to find, having identified those, what if you were to double down on those strengths completely for the next three years? What would that mean for your business if you were to do that? And lastly, I'm, uh, as you probably guessed it, um, I'm gonna ask you to write down the risks of taking no action now. Uh, so 
let's just say three years from now, you just sat on your hands, you didn't do anything in the COVID-19 crisis, did not go away. What is that going to mean for your business? So taking action now, what is the risk if you don't do that? And I think what you might find is that you stand to lose a huge amount from sitting on your hands. And just all you need to do is just have the catalyst of an idea to go out there and convert your business, pivot away from something, move towards digital, online, whatever that may be. But now is the time to be looking at this and giving it some serious thought because we could all be in for a very nasty shock if they suddenly say that, sorry, this vaccine isn't actually suitable or it's, you know, has very terrible effects on children or something like that. You just don't know what the future holds. And so you need to be thinking outside the box about how to do something and just go and take massive action, but give it some thought and consider how this could all affect you. So there you go, guys. That's what I call my three-year SWOT analysis exercise. And um, I know it's in the wrong order, but it's very hard to pronounce the word TOSWA. And therefore, I decided to call it the SWOT analysis. All right, guys, thanks for listening today. I appreciate every one of you. And um, I hope you got some value from today's episode. If you did, please consider leaving me a review. Or maybe give some thought to forwarding this podcast on to a friend that you think might enjoy it. And lastly, and I'd love if you did, please reach out and get in touch with me using social media or my email, hello at gavinjgallagher.com. Tell me where you're listening in from. And, you know, I'm happy to answer questions or topics that you'd like me to cover in future episodes. And I'd lastly, I'd like to give a... Um, quick shout out to the two new members of my mentoring program Devon in Columbus, Ohio and Dwight in California welcome aboard guys and um, another episode over and episode 6 coming next week and uh, so this is Behind the Facade winding down and I'll speak to you guys very soon, thanks (music)